Okay, good people. Uh, we will take it up from where we left last Thursday. Now, I don't know if it was incidental or it was part of the planned... Uh, I think it was an incidental. We touched on something which um, at least two people, one of them is here, asked if we could um, expound and probably build it a little you know, further. Um, now, the, 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 the issue which kind of happened you know, in passing was, um, I happened to mention about um, how the pastor or the, the leader of a church, um, you know, the leader of a church or church leaders for that matter have um, such, I don't know, a difficult, almost impossible um fit fit so of course it's it's one of those things when you say it kind of um creates all sorts of scenarios people play all sorts of scenarios in their minds and two people most more particularly asked if we could be able to i could be able to just take a bit of time and talk about it now i had shared these notes uh, maybe paul may remember this and and there's quite some voluminous notes and in case you want i can always do these notes for you it's got a bit of notes here. The title then, we had done it in our Bible studies in town. The title then was um, The Burden of Leadership. And so we had uh, five areas we covered. So what I did, what I did last time on Thursday is that I picked on an area which kind of sat, sat with what I was talking about, you know, in the main theme. And then I kind of skated with it. Eh? And that bit I had called it um, the burden of character. Now, if you remember, we had read First um, Timothy three one to twelve, which we won't read now, which has some very stringent um, qualifications um, for appointing the 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 bishops, the overseers, and the deacons. And um, I was of the very strong opinion that it is practically not possible to meet the entire um, the entire qualification. I think now that um, I have a Bible not too far from where I am, I can read it again. So basically, again, I want to say this, that um, this is something which you had shared on a, at a very larger scale. And we're talking about the burden of leadership. And especially within the church, and the kind of things that go on in leadership. I've been in leadership for a very long time. And um, I can tell you for a fact that um, it is not easy. The expectations, I don't know, are extremely difficult. Let me just read this for you again, for the sake of the ones who are not um, uh, in last time. So... Chapter 3, 1 Timothy, verse 1. This is a true saying. If a man desires the office of a bishop... Okay, the bishop is another word for pastor or leader of... So somebody who takes care of, uh, you know, the saints of God. He desires a good work. A bishop then must be blameless. Now listen to these qualities. A husband of one wife. 
vigilant, sober, good behavior, given to hospitality, able to teach. Now, I think up to that point, nobody has ish. Nobody has anything, any, any problem. Not given to wine, not, no striker, not greedy or filthy looker that is money, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous. Again, up to that point, we are all good. No, we, are, we are good. One that ruleth well his own house. If you start from there, ruling one's own house well, now the the Bible attempts, and I want to use that word them in a measured way, the, the Bible attempts to explain what uh, to rule your own house well means, having his children in subjection with all gravity. Okay? Um, so there's something grave is something serious. Um, so I and I asked the question: Is this aspirational or is this literal? Because um, if it is literal, then we as, we need to ask ourselves the question: So at what point, which age? So say when uh, Stacy, who is listening to me, when my children were four year old, then say probably I could have made. I could have, I, I could have fitted this qualification because at age four the children are are manageable. Okay, they are manageable. You know, they they, they are young. They are they are manageable. So 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 what happens when, uh, for example, you have already been um, en- enlisted because uh, maybe at that particular time your children were, you know, you know, manageable to use the time again. So what happens when they're age 12 or 14 and they become a bit truant? For the simple reason that, um, and all of us here with children know, I mean, it is practically impossible for children to go through life, even under your care. Maybe up to age 18, 20 or whatever age you'll be, they'll be under your care. And they don't have little specks here and little something there. So so how, how do we go about it at that time? Do, do you step aside and wait until they are okay? And then where, where do we put the line of um, free will? Free will. And we can use the biblical, um, you know, we can use the Bible to, you know, you know, um, give some bit of support on the same. So, so where do we put free will? Because you can only do so much. You can, you can rule your home well. You can say the right things. You can pray. You can educate you can expose but ultimately people at some point at some age <clears throat> excuse me will exercise their free will and so this 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 to me has always been a challenge and um, it takes a bit of boldness to to go this direction because you don't hear a lot um, in, in terms of what I'm actually saying in the manner which I'm saying it because I am putting it to you that a, a, quite a few of these things and especially the ones which you cannot control because Essentially, you can only control yourself. You can only be responsible for for you. Jesus could not even be responsible for Judas. You, you get, as much as he called him and as much as he stayed with him, I mean, Judas still turned out, you know, wrong. And I gave a very interesting example last time, and I was saying, if you were to, um, you know, if you look at the chronology of, you know, in the book of um, Matthew and the one in the book of Luke, <clears throat> he talks about somebody begat, begat, begat. When it comes to when it comes to Adam, Adam is called the the son of God. Okay, 
So if God, if Adam rather was the son of God and he was, so the question is, did God fail? Because Adam missed. So again, do we do we judge it situationally or do we judge it um, in terms of um, the long, what's the word, the big picture perspective? So, so somebody missed. Should we judge them at that point or within that situation or should we judge it based on they recovered, they repented, they got back you know, on track? So what if the same was to happen to a child? Okay, again, what if that was to happen to you? Because again, you find people in the Bible whom God used because God knew the long term. For example, David, God knew that David would eventually get his act together. David will, you know, go through... Because serving God, or basically character, maybe that's a better way to use to use that term. Uh, character is never like a cruise. You know the way an aeroplane goes on autopilot and it just cruises. You know, character issues are always... They're always the ups and downs and turns and twists and what have you. Low moments, difficult times, and... and um, battle moments so do we judge its situation because i think i've i, I think we have them um, we have retired very early we have retired very early good men of god who if they were given quite a little bit of time despite and in spite of the challenges of character of character that they had for me as long as they are aware of those character flows and they are willing to face the right direction and they are repentant repentance simply means they are willing to change they are working towards it if they are given a proper controlled environment okay and i like that statement you know a control environment you know they would have turned out to be some of the best personalities in the faith i think we've retired them maybe too early maybe too early i think would have retired peter if we it were left for you know us today, if we use the standards we use today, I mean, Peter had his own little issues here and there. I mean, and um, we would have very easily retired him very early. I mean, I'm glad you know he wasn't even retired later in his day when he he denied Christ. That still, God saw the big picture that this man, given time, he is going to do some tremendous work. So anyway, what I'm trying to say is that um, um, when you read this chapter three, one to twelve, there are quite a few things which are very aspirational. That you can't do anything much about it. You can only do so much and the rest you can only leave it for the people to make their own personal decisions. So then you read, you read verse 6, Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride he fall into the condemnation of the devil. And, and, and I think that is good. When you mean novice is a beginner. Okay, So there should be some, you know, some some weathering, some summering and wintering. You know, they should go through certain seasons so they can be able to mature and become weathered. Um, he must, uh, verse 7 says, um, he must have a good report of them which are without, those who are outside, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Again, that is very aspirational because good report, it's quite... Um, so, so if if I speak the truth, in certain instances, people may not like me. You, you get so so good report here has to be in respect to that um, he has done 
the correct thing. So good report here is not is not mean that everybody will speak good about you. I mean, think about Jesus, really. I mean, people said some of the most nastiest thing you can ever imagine. I mean, he was. They, they looked at him in such bad light. I mean, especially those who are without the Pharisees, especially. Then believers liked him, but you know, the larger part of the, you know, outsiders, if you can call them that way, you know, said all sorts of things. They called him. They called him demon possessed. Okay, they said he's um, his own. His own parents. At one point, thought he was crazy, and they actually went to pick him. You know, kind of just to you know, take him out and probably then try to rehabilitate him. You know, um, they treat him like a charlatan, like 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 a con person. Okay, they they call him a wine biber and a glutton, and, and and the list goes on. Okay, so so again, we have to be very careful that um, we don't take hook line and sink what people are saying about somebody. I mean, people could be speaking out of malice, okay? Or maybe because they just want to stop that person from saying or doing the things which they, you know, he, 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 you know, the things which, you know, kind of make them feel condemned or judged because they are, they are, they are, they are doing the wrong things in the first place. So uh, if you read on, it talks about um, not giving too much wine, greedy or filthy locum, having, holding the mystery, I'm in verse 9, the mystery of faith in your conscience very good um if you go down um even so must their wives okay now if you use a king james which again it's um very instructive i'm using a king james the word must their wives is in italics and anytime you find something in italics in the king james it actually means that the original meaning is not known so often what you do you're supposed to kind of like not use the you know like, like like remove the italics the words in italics so if you remove the word in italics it will say even so wives be grave which to me makes more sense and what i'm telling you you can confirm okay if you see a word you know or a statement and in the king james it is in italics it means the original meaning is not known so it's put in there to try and um, um I think the word in English is conflabiration, something like that. But by you kind of put in words to try to make a sentence make sense. Okay? There's a word in English that goes something like that. To conflabiate. You kind of, um, you're not so certain what it means, so you kind of say, okay, um, so I see this and I see this, then it can only be in between this and this. Okay? So it's conflabiate. Um, somebody can help me out in case I got it wrong. So, um, so, so that those those two words are in, are in italics. So again, check out again what I'm just telling you. If what I'm telling you is correct, you can check. Why are some words in italics in using the King James? How should you read what is in italics using King James? And maybe Paul can do that, you know. And when he's ready, he can just just confirm, you know. The, he can just check and then help us just get over that. So you 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 need to ordinarily. Remove the words in italics and see how they read without. Because they're supposed to kind of make the sentence more readable. So without the italics, the, the words in italics, uh, it's um, even so, wives be grieved. Which to me makes more sense. Because when you look at, when you remove the words that are in, in, in italics, you, you, you get um, the feeling that it is not the responsibility fully or wholly of the husband. And that to me... I, I don't know. Um, 
sits well because it's more practicable. And I say that from a man who has been married for 20 of uh, 6 years. 26 years. Okay, I'm looking at my wife because she keeps the dates better than I do. Um and, and I know that it is difficult to be agreeable on every area on everything. Okay? Okay? So so that even in marriage sometimes you allow for individual differences. You, you allow that. That sometimes equilibrium or finding your finding your fulcrum, finding your balance does not necessarily mean that you are agreeable or symmetric in thought in every way. Okay? And, and most of you are married here. You, you agree with me. Okay? So again, just for practicability sake, for me it is a little more we need to look to, to, to look at it that way that wives be grave not slanderers so but faithful in all things okay so it says let deacons be husbands of one wife ruling their children and their houses well again that is um, ruling their houses well to me is more aspirational okay and it need to be seen within the context of the big picture okay so i could be going through a battle with my child today but 5 years down the road the child would you know could change and become become you know much better so I'll I'll still be on track so there there has to be a way in which you look at this thing so that is vast so um again I'm using that just to try and show you that certain things are more aspirational than they are literal okay but over and above that um because that is what you call the burden of character and if you remember what I said and please listen to this i said leaders have a burden of character and it's a burden because when a leader falls short he faces criticism which is not equally applied to a believer for the same offense it's not like i'm complaining about it of course Any leader even politically must be held with a little bit more higher expectation even the leaders we have in politics okay so for example when our leaders went all out to do meetings throwing caution you know out of the window in respect to covid protocols and what have you i mean you notice how the people got so slack and guys actually even started saying there's no covid okay i mean because for them they expect that their leadership is going to to know better and they hold them with such high expectation you know and it completely messed up the entire you know um um uh, movement in that in that in that in that regard but what i'm saying is the challenges a leader goes through the challenges a leader goes through are the same challenges for example the challenges of parenting you know that a leader goes through is the same challenge which um, say Paul goes through okay is the same is the same um the challenge of marriage it's it's the same it's the same so it's it's quite a big burden because um we, we, you know church leadership is judged very harshly not fact removing in politics church leadership is judged very harshly i think a little too harshly no 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 i know we need to keep some serious um, um standards i know but i also think we need to be um 
a little realistic. I mean, I, I don't know how to put it. We, we need to be realistic. We need to be realistic. Um, and allow people, because at any given time, any person, including the church leader, they are all growing. I mean, we are all evolving spiritually. We are all maturing. That's a better one, spiritually. So it's not like by the time I start preaching, or somebody starts preaching, or is in charge of a local church or a ministry, whatever it is, that they are perfect. Okay? Even they are growing. And there are certain growth hiccups. Okay? They are also maturing. (laughs) You, you, You follow what I'm saying? They could have a responsibility, but they are also growing as individuals. So I think this need to look at this thing in a more holistic way. I put something here. Um, so let me put this way. Uh, so, so when they fall short, their criticism and punishment is more severe. To avoid this unfair criticism, many preachers or leaders uh, end up putting up false pretense or lies so that they can project a picture of perfect, you know, perfect image character, you know, um, and, and, and they become afraid of being themselves. Uh, society needs, and I put this uh, again, to lower their character expectations or leaders because after all, they are all human. We need to judge people in terms of the motivational principles and, and, um, the effort they are putting and where are their eyes facing. Not so much that somebody, you know, because where do we start? Do we start with Abraham? I will tell you something Abraham did, which, which wasn't exactly 100%. Do you go to Moses? I mean, Moses had, you know, little issues here and there, which, I mean, we can mention them, you know, I mean, and, and literally is understated, okay? Where do we go? Do we go to David? I mean, do we go to Samuel? Do we go to Jeremiah? Do we go to Elijah? Where do we go? In fact, one good, bet, I mean, one better is to look at Paul when he's talking about that he's born in the flesh. You, you, you get, and he calls it a weakness. And he says it torments him. And I am not in any way encouraging, you know, weakness. I'm simply saying that people are in different levels of growth and maturity. So we need to look at where they are facing. What are they doing about it? Are they concerned that they are, they are, they are going through a certain struggle? Are they putting all efforts to bear to come out of this Situations, because for me that's more important than somebody whose hair, every piece of hair is in place. Because whenever I meet a person who projects a kind of an image, I become very scared because I know as long as you're human, you're going to have some small defects here and there. So whenever somebody projects to me an image of absolute, you know, perfection, I get very concerned. I keep asking myself. What is it you're trying to hide? And almost always, I always find out that there's something which, you know, has been um, covered up. So we need to relate, and I'm saying this, let's let's relate with men of God at a level of, um, at a level of utmost understanding. I think that's the way I would like to put it. Okay. So if I look at Paul, say, for example, you know, you know let's say Paul was my pastor, you know, and I see he is trying, he is... Yeah, he has little challenges here. I mean, in any case, he, it doesn't have to be even character issue. It can even be, for example, um, uh, presentations issues. I mean, there are still issues. There are still shortcomings. So, for example, he's still a little, you know, on the lower scale in terms of understanding doctrine. Okay? So, But I look at him and I say, he's trying, he's reading, he's exposing himself, he is... He's doing the best he can. So he will get there. So And I give him that time because I can see the effort and the aspirations that he has to get there. But if we start judging every single person, you know, using little, you know, you know, little, 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 um, uh, uh, um, 
you know, very small details of, you know, little mistake here, little mistake there. And then some of those people, they, they ought to grow those things later. And I gave an example of Peter. Okay. I also think the leaders need to deliberately humanize themselves instead of creating demigod status. Now, let me give you another burden of leadership that many people don't even think about it. I call it the burden of solving disputes. Resolving disputes, especially in the church. Again, it's it's very tricky. It's very, very tricky. I put in my notes here that resolving conflict, conflict is a burden in leadership because in every conflict solution, there is an aggrieved party and there will be somebody who will be the perpetrator. Okay? There will be, the, be a victim. Now, the aggrieved person is most likely to feel that the judgment, you know, or the perpetrator will always feel that the judgment, you know, or the, you know, when the whole thing is resolved, was unfair or biased against them. Okay? Yet the leader dispensed the judgment with utmost wisdom and with all fairness and justice in mind. In a church context, the challenge is that both parties are known or are, you know, congregants of the same pastor. So the pastor then will have additional task of reaching out to the aggrieved or injured party. So it's one of those things which if you ask any man of God, they will tell you the most difficult time to be a pastor is when there's elections. And especially if you're in Nairobi, where there's a bit of, um, you know, kind, kind of, um, you know, um, mixed, um, you know, population in churches, in terms of um, communities. It's a very difficult time. I mean, you're about to go to a referendum, uh, if all goes according to script. And I tell you, it's going to be a very, very interesting time. Okay, the church, you know, and, unless some of the things which they, they want you know, uh, enjoined, uh, are put in place, uh, obviously look like if they want to go to the north side. I remember, and I know we are recording this, we went to, we went to, um, not Amboseli, we went to, we had gone to Amboseli to do something else. So I used to work very closely, I still do, um, work closely with Kenya Christian Lawyers Fellowship. And so they, they, bring, they bring me there, uh, one, because I will probably give a judgment that is not, um, I will give a spiritual angle to serious legal, you know, disputes. Where did you go? We went to Baringo. Went to Baringo State Lodge some years ago. Actually, when we had the second, the one that was defeated, so the Katiba now, you know, second Katiba, you know, um, no, the one that went through, sorry, the one that went through, the one that went through, the one that went through. And obviously, obviously you know, the church had quite a bit of, and we had a couple of MPs who are Christians, I don't want to mention their names there. And, you know, the Kenya Christian Lawyers Fellowship has been given what you call a lobby status by the government. So government, of course, will listen to what they say. And I can tell you for free, those are wonderful people, lawyers by excellence, but the divisions were almost near, um, I don't want to use that word, but it you could cut with a razor the tensions. I mean, I think it's only because we are so fine to some bundus there, I mean, there are people who have just walked. I mean, it was really tense. It was so tense. And to be very honest, I had to keep coming in again and trying to say one thing here and say something there. And it was so difficult to, uh, to understand how can Christians who are, you know, of course, praying to the same God, have a similar outlook in terms of uh, the fidelity of the word of God, have very varied, different, yawning gaps when it comes to 
to an issue like Atiba. I mean, it was really, really tough. And one of the things that I had to do very, very strongly is not to say where I stood. Okay? And kind of try to say, I see where these guys are going with this. Uh, I, I may not agree fully, but I see the potential minefields. I see where these guys are going with the yes and etc, etc. But I'm now saying, let's look at this thing with removing the religious script, which was very difficult. In any case, I was there for that purpose, so, you know, only. And, and, and I felt that that was the only way we were going to, even if it's agree to disagree, at least there'll be some sense of unanimity that we are dealing with a contentious issue that we should not Christianize, you know? So, again, what I'm saying is that um, when leaders have to solve, and we do this, me and my wife, quite a bit, you know, and it's never nice. There'll always be somebody who will be hurt and feel like if you supported the husband more, maybe supported the wife more, or something like that, and all you're trying to do maybe is just to say, look, I think uh, you bear more responsibility on this, and, uh, you know, this other party, I mean, is more sinned than sinning, if I can use uh, the terminology of Shakespeare, okay? So, Paul admonishes the saints in uh, Corinth, if you read 2 Corinthians 2, 5 to 8, to comfort the person who had been punished. And you know the story in 1 Corinthians, Paul had said that when you guys meet and my spirit is with you, you know, you take out this brother who is sleeping with his father's mistress. You know, just take him out and... I mean, the word used are very strong. It says, you know, you cast him to the devil so that his soul can be saved and his flesh can be punished. You know? Wow. I think the only other person I've heard say that is uh, a man of God I will not mention. Many years ago, I had gotten saved and he told somebody that. And um, I mean, it put the fear of God in me. You know, I mean, somebody was chased from church and he was told, go and may the devil be with you. You know, and oof. I can't, I mean, like, it shook me completely. Uh, the person who was chased apparently is a very big man of God presently. And um, not too long ago, I watched, um, I watched, um, I watched him, I don't want to say, uh, doing something because I think you remember, you'll know who I'm talking about. Um, so Paul admonished, uh, you know, the saints that, um, look, this guy, we threw him out, yes, but I think he has gone through this suffering enough. Let's bring him in. And I like, I like the word used. Let me read them for you. He says, um, um, he told them to comfort the person who has been punished and I quote, I quote, so that he will not be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. I urge you therefore to reaffirm your love for him. Wow. Okay. So, so, so this was not open-ended. You, you understand? The man was punished but Paul reached a place and realized, look, if we let this thing go, and if you read on down there, it says, lest Satan take advantage of us because we are not ignorant of his devices. I mean, we know what the devil can do if we allow some of these, um, you know, things to fester. Jesus had to reaffirm Peter after resurrection because Peter was full of guilt for betraying Jesus three times. And so all I'm trying to say is that um, the the the... The, the leader always has to bear that responsibility that um, not everybody will be agreeable with how you see a situation. And for me, I've resigned to that. Very honest, I've resigned to that. I mean, I've resigned to the fact that um, there are certain things I will do and even my best friends will not agree with me. 
And I'm okay. I mean, I'm okay with it because there's a certain vantage position that I have. There are certain details that I will never want, I will not be able to, you know, expose. You know, so so, so sometimes you just make a decision and you say, let God be a judge between me and, you know, whatever. Okay. Um, if, if, if you read about uh, the story of John Mark, huh, you know, uh, after an earlier rebuke for desertion, Second Timothy 4.1, Paul, Paul later on reaffirms it. He says, get Mark and bring him with you because he's helpful to me in my ministry. Okay. But you know, there was a terrible fallout between Paul and, you know, uh, is it Barnabas? You know, because of John Mark. They had a major fallout. I mean, major fallout. One went this one. These are these were mission, missionary partners. They disagreed to the point they said we are going different ways. So all I'm going to say is that um, the, the, the leader always has a challenge of resolving disputes. And the truth of the matter is that um, you will never please both parties as you're doing, doing that. So conflict resolution requires wisdom and patience. And leaders need prayer so that they don't make decisions that will harm the body. I have um, two words which I always use and I've used on myself a lot. I say, be fair and be firm. For me, that's, that's what gets me going. If I know I'm fair, then the least I can do is to be firm. Okay? If I know I'm fair, then the least I can do is to be firm. So, that's another burden. So, the other one which you mentioned earlier, we can call it, like I mentioned, the burden of character. Okay? It's called the burden of character. It's a burden of character. Let me give you another burden. Uh, I'll give you two more very quickly. I call it the burden to preach the gospel. Okay? And that one you can grow it a little bit more. If you read First Corinthians 9, 9 um, from chapter 9, I believe it's verse 27. Okay, from 1 to 27. Okay, so Paul talks about what he faced. Whatever he has faced, the persecutions, neglect from the church. So like the current church. Okay. And he's preaching to them. Huh? I mean, he says, you guys have done this to me. You guys have done this to me. But if you read verse 12, I just pinpoint on verse 12. He says, if others have this right of support from you because they are supporting other people. Remember, Akina Peter later showed up. Akina um, um, Apollos showed up. Um, where am I forgetting? So, so a number of people showed up and, you know, they, they, there was quite a bit of, um, you know, excitement when these people showed up. Eh? You know, um, so Paul says, if others have this right of support from you, shouldn't we have it all the more? I mean, this is a man who is hurting. You are supporting other people. He says, shouldn't we have it all the more? But we did not use this right. On the contrary, we put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel of Christ. Wow. You just have to love this man. If you read verse 16 to 17 again, he says, For when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast, since I am compelled to preach. Now hear these words, and these are some of the most powerful words in the Gospels. Woe to me if I do not preach the Gospel. You know the word woe, what it means? It means damned. Another way of looking at it is, 
it's 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 like I'm damned. It's like poor me. Huh? What to me if I do not preach the gospel? If I preach voluntarily, I have a reward. If not voluntarily, I am simply discharging the trust committed to me. Wow. Paul's burden to preach the gospel is a challenge to our modern men of God, preachers and believers, some of whom preach for convenience or only when there is a reward. Okay. There should be a burden and a compelling one in all of us to preach the word as Paul would tell Timothy later, in season and out of season. And you need to read them other parts of the Bible where Paul was saying, I've been punished, I've been stoned, I've been flogged, I've been, you know, I've been shipwrecked, I've gone naked, I've gone without clothes on my back, I have been in peril with my own countrymen, I've been in peril with Gentiles, I've suffered dangers in land, in sea. I mean, and he says, he does all these things with such poise and such grace why he has to preach the gospel. And so, and so for me, I think this is very, very important. So the burden to preach the word in the face of contradictions in a pastor's. For example, a pastor preaching and expressing God's will to heal, yet he himself or a member of his family is facing terminal disease, which has been persistent. And I can tell you for, 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 for free. You meet any man of God and they will tell you the inner struggles they go through. Not that they don't believe what the word of God is saying. The contradiction sometimes that befall their own person. Okay? So for example, the person will be very busy saying how God will bless you and, and do this and do that. And we've all been there. We've all been there. And they do that in the face of deep financial problems. You know, deep financial challenges. Okay? Okay? And, and 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 so and so this this, this is a burden this this is a burden uh, that one should be seen or viewed or you know embraced together with this other burden i call the burden of care okay that men of god should not only feed the flock but also guard the flock and there's a lot of um, scripture to that effect okay the man has a shepherd staff that he needs to use to protect the sheep, to guard the sheep. So our job is not, and this, this, this gets very tricky. The man of God's job is much more than just come Sunday, come Thursday, come whatever other day, I feed you. That's not enough. That's not enough. And, and, and I know people will argue back and forth on this one, but the man of God, in my view, must make every attempt to protect those under him. Because again, there's a certain vantage point. Let me say this. Let me give a hypothetical situation. So you've been in ministry for the long, for the long time. Like for example, I've been in ministry. You know somebody from way back and you can tell they are not serious with marriage. I mean, you can tell. They hop from place to place and break you know, girls' hearts. I mean, you know it. They are not mature. They are not. Um, they're in this explorational stage of their lives. They are mistaking infatuations for love, and and 
yeah, and they come with a cloak of spirituality. You know, the other day I was saying that, um, you know, believers, you know, in dating, we're supposed to be sending um, um, proposals, not prophecies. You know, and believers send prophecies, not proposals. So this man is coming with a cloak of Christianity and religion and everything else. And so, so, so let me ask you, what, what should one Steve Munga do? What should yours truly do. I know that this is the next shipwreck. I know this is the next shipwreck. I know it. You've seen patterns. You've seen, you've talked to the person. You know the other party will be overtaken by the emotion of the day. I mean, you know. So you come in there and you say, um, I see you quite a bit with so-and-so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, we're planning to. Okay. How well do you know them? Oh, the last uh, two weeks or the last, you know, and because most 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 con men are very quick. I tell people if if anything is happening very fast, be very careful, especially in relationship. If somebody meets one week, two weeks, they have met your parents, met your sister, met your brother. You have to be very careful, you know. Just two weeks, two weeks. I mean, you're buying expensive gifts and paying school fees. You better be very very careful, okay. You're making major commitments of leaving a job to go and live in Australia. I mean, you have to be very, very careful. In two weeks, most con men, even the ones you meet in the streets, they don't give you a time. <laughs> so they don't give you a chance to think. You know, and, and one of the ways to tell that somebody is going to take you, you know, on a garden tour, and they're, I mean, that they're going to lie to you, it's they, they bombard you with so many things. We've got to do tomorrow. We've got to do, and they kind of crowd everybody, and they push off people, and they they, they obsess the conversation, they obsess the person's time. So, so I'm, I was giving you my own hypothetical situation. So I come in there, say, okay. What I think you don't know this person too well. I'm not telling you to leave them because really I can't give you a husband. Really, you know, I'm married, uh, but I I know this person for a while now, and uh, I also know that I'm. He's had a bit of a history with the one, two, three people. I think it would be good that you take this a little slowly. He could have changed. He could be okay now. Um, but go easy. I think you're moving a bit too fast. Two weeks is a long time to have met your parents or to know your brother very intimately or know your whatever. I mean, to be, to be aware of details about your salary and about... Um, so many things which are supposed to come in much later in a relationship. I say, um, just take that as a red flag. Because some people mistake uh, red flowers with red flags. Huh? Or should I say the other way around? They mistake red flags with red flowers. Okay, God is giving you red flags. Just don't mistake it with the flowers. 99% of the time, I always get the flag. <laughs> is that true? When somebody is in, you know, you know, they say that um, love is blind, but marriage is an eye opener. Ninety-nine percent of the time, you know, oh, people even leave church. <laughs> you know, taking your, taking your layer where you know, singly, mamboye, two, katukunga, nisha. I think I've gotten used. I become very immune to to some of that. And I say, okay, wish you all the best if that's the way you want to go. 
you know, I'll attend the wedding, you know, and I will, and I hope to God that I'm wrong. It's sad to say that most times, because you know, you know, night follows day. I mean, you know, it will be like that, and it always ends up in exactly the same way. So pastors and leaders have a responsibility to protect one their flock from greedy and Paul was doing that a lot. People peddling false doctrines, for example. Okay, that forms part of um, spiritual fatherhood expected. Okay, and they're doing this compelled by love. I mean, I have children here. I mean, really, you think I'm going to let Stacy to go headlong into some relationship, and I can see very clearly. You know that this is not heading anywhere. You know, I will throw everything along the path. I mean, I will throw the kitchen sink at the kitchen itself along the path. You know, she may still go around it and still do it, um, but at least I will sleep easy knowing that I tried. Okay, okay. So if you read um, John two thirteen to seventeen, Jesus demonstrated his zeal to guard his father's temple by chasing. Literally, I mean, this was not uh, spiritually. He didn't go to a corner and pray, you know, or moan or, or say, look at what they're doing to the house of God. Oh, my father's house has turned to... No, he physically became extremely animated and went out there and chased those guys, weeping and overturning the tables of the money changers. Okay? This zealous guard for God's flock can only be caught, not taught. I mean, let me say this. You can't help yourself. If I truly, truly, truly hold say Jane or Kate or whoever strongly in my heart as a person whom I feel that I owe what you call the duty of care to some of them and I see for a fact they're headed into a ditch and I have that piercing you know God um, enabled spiritual you know look and I can see beyond the veil I can see beyond the cloud and beyond the fog I can pierce through and I know by saying it I may be risking our friendship I think I will gamble with the friendship I will gamble with the friendship but I will say I will say I think you're going to the wrong place I think that guy is all messed up it's all twisted I've known him for some time he could have changed but people really change that fast so please be on the lookout I will let you go if you insist on going but I I feel very strongly. You don't have to come to my church, but please don't go there. Okay? I mean, you don't have to come here. Maybe it's time for you to move on and explore new you know, dimensions of your life. But if it's not here, please don't go there. I think, I, I think that guy is twisted and polluted in every way. And you know, all that and all that. And let me tell you the truth, guys. And I know you're listening to me. There's a way in which when you hang in an industry for long, you know people. And I mean it from my heart. You know people. I don't want to mention names because it will look like if I'm just dropping names. But you, you know people. You know people very, very, very well. You have, been, you have been with them in places. You have gone for missions. You've gone for conferences. You've, you've seen them. You, which man cannot tell a gawking eye? Gawking as G-A-W-K. I mean, which man cannot tell Another man who has amorous eyes. Which man here cannot tell? Men read these things very, very quickly. You know, and and they can tell. You know, I went to the office with so-and-so and and I looked at the way he 
when he was being served chai or whatever it is I, and you realize that's it that that's that, that's 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 not the way it is you know so one time i did something very interesting um so i know this guy from way back huh? way way back so he sends me of course his picture he reminds me of who he is he tells me that he has now moved to some parts of meru which is very mountainous even grotty there very far I forget the place I forget the place very, very far place but you pass maua you go very, very far the mountainous places and he's having a conference this happened exactly way i'm saying that a fact if kariz was on he would bear me out because kariz was in meru and, and uh, so i went to you know i went over to his place before i went to this place so i drove there so of course i go to meru i go to kariz 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 and i was working with national bank we have some meal or something and then i drive up it's quite far quite far very very far place so i arrive in this kaliru town and of course the posters are all over the place my poster i see my picture there and everything it's a big meeting very, very big meeting the guy has like taken over the town you know big time uh so i i ask around it's a small town nobody knows everybody and i'm shown where the pastor lives so the pastor actually has a pastorate eh? you know that's a house next to the church eh? so in here the place you know i get to the house I, and then there's this lady who is dressed really very homely she has a lesson she has she's really at home and then she's the only one of course in the house so she welcomes me oh mchungaji karibu happy to see you blah 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 i don't even think then i used to pastor you know i don't know there was how's any pastor in there um so later the man comes from the bathroom and i mean you know men when they're in their own comfort zones he will have a little bit of kinyasa you know he'll be topless you know he still has his towel he's wiping himself so he comes you know and greets me and you know welcomes me so as a way of just keeping up with the small talk I tell him no 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 it's okay your wife already you know welcomed me because i just assumed you know the lady she looked very comfortable she was you know literally all over the place every other place every room and the man says in the most uh what's the word i can get in english the most matter of fact way I mean without batting an eye no emotion says ah apana wewe sio mke wangu you know with that deep accent from that side wangu nilitupa you know you know me thought i had that you know he even went and used other words eh, which are very inclined to street language you know you know those demeaning words people use when they're saying that um i dismiss my wife i you know and all that eh? and you could tell the disgust and it was like uh, yeah yeah you know uh, this is like the new one what so i'm sitting there i haven't met this guy for years for years so i know him very vaguely he used to attend my meetings and i kind of remember him and, and, and all that and i'm in a very far place it's almost headed to evening we have a, a meeting that is about to come up in a short while um so he takes me to i mean the only you know um comfortable place around there it's one man little guest house around there so to freshen up before i come for the meeting and i'm completely conflicted so i'm praying a bit here trying to you know do my things you know i on there do something 
I'm thinking, do I go and preach in this guy's place? And if I do, will I be, will I be like, like affirming what he's doing? I mean, will, will I be like, the, you know, like laundering what he's doing, like cleaning it up in the eyes of people who know me? Because it's almost likely that somebody really knows me and will say, I even chukaji munga liko mekuja huku na katubiria sana. You know, and obviously he must have known that uh, this guy kind of dismissed his wife. And the way he said it to me was actually, I mean, if somebody tells me we are having an issue with my wife, you're all taking a bit of a break, you know, and you know, presently she's not here. I mean, maybe you'll see some bit of civility, you know, and dignity in that conversation. But the manner in which he put it, it was such pedestrian and such strict language that it was so demeaning, even to the person of the wife who I, don't, I didn't even know. Ah, chana huyo, huyo ni litupa, huyo ni, you know, and he, you know, I forget the exact words, but they were all very, very, very strong words. Wow, so here I am, extremely conflicted. So anyway, I have to go for the meeting. So I go for the meeting, and I'm really, really conflicted. I stand, and this happened exactly like I'm telling you, and God is my witness. And I explained to the conference people exactly what happened. And the man is there, and the other lady who, you know, I think you're taking, you know, you know um, ask the brother, you know, you know me from where? So, you know, he tells me, so I've been better to preach. Okay, uh, so you came to my meetings in town, okay. Um, so I say, okay, guys, I came here a couple of hours ago, and I entered Mchungaji's place. I, I don't know this man very well, but, you know, as he says, he knows me a little more. And this is what he told me. And what I'm telling you is what I said. He told me that, you know, and I used the words which he said. I said, I want to say something here. I want to preach what I had come prepared to preach. But I'm going to tell you very clearly what I believe marriage is. And marriage is not what this man told me. I said, if you treat me like a spiritual figure and a spiritual father, if you treat me that way, I'm going to ask you. I have no problem you telling me you have an issue with your wife and you're working around it and you both have no issue but you do not have the right to pick any sister in church at the drop of a hat just because you've had a little you know thing with your wife you know you know <laughs> I listened to some to some to some young men talking today and um, you know you know Martini eh? and one guy was saying uh, squeeze relationships ni kama kazi ya mjengo unafanya tu kitu kidogo tu hivi unaambo usikuje kesho that's how much relationships have become so so flimsy you know you do something so little unaambo anika kazi ya mjengo unafanya kitu kidogo unaambo usikuje kesho so i said that and you could see because people had come from various you know uko vishaji uko ndani eh wana you know alikome book eh, a place it was a very big conference the man was fuming i mean he's a big guy i mean i thought he would beat me up i mean the guy was fuming i said you know if you treat me like your spiritual figure i want to tell you i have a lot of problem with that and i said you know look um mimi i have no problem driving at night and, and that's the truth honestly driving distresses me I have no issues driving at night so i prefer when there is little traffic i said um, if you have a problem with me with what i've said i mean i'm giving you a chance we can do a prayer we can do a song you can whisper in my ear and tell me i, I don't need to carry on and i'll just drive we have no issue i'll just go to meru I'll sleep over 
or I can drive to Embu. I once left a meeting in Embu. I think I was with my wife. I can't remember very well. And we slept at a place called Isaac Walton. So I mean, I have no issue. You know, a similar thing had happened and we had to go sleep in Isaac Walton at night. Okay. What am I saying? Uh, uh, there's a way in which you have to care for the flock. And I was thinking, what example is this man giving to these people? I like what Paul says in Galatians 4.19. Please, in your free time, read this and read it very slowly. Paul says, my dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. I mean, you know, the Galatians completely went offline. Completely went completely off. Off track. Off track. And Paul is saying, I am laboring in childbirth till Christ. And that is a burden of care. Okay? That's serious zeal. Okay? Serious, serious zeal. You know, and, and of course, you know what had happened even to Galatians. Same thing had happened, you know, with the Corinthians. You know, uh, false preachers, false prophets. Okay? One reason pastors are unbothered to guard their flock is because unlike Paul, okay, they don't give back to their flock as, as true spiritual sons and daughters. So it's not something they bath. They don't labor with people. For them, it's just preaching. It's not, it's not somebody is sick and with them. It's not a baby is unwell. We are praying and fasting. It's not somebody has been even arrested. I mean, and you are there, you know, and there are people who have been arrested. You know, and you are there making sure that he's released. I mean, you don't, there, is, there isn't any other sacrifice beyond. People have messed up even part time. I mean, bad time, many years ago, you know, I mean, I got a call late at night, you know, and uh, this guy knew me, you know, and we used to talk, I used to do lunch meetings. So this guy, sadly, um, let's just say, you know, had a problem with sexual sin. So he goes to this place, that time, I, I knew that street, it's called, um, oh, now the name, forgive me, evades me. The name evades me. It's along, it's along Lufuli, it's one of the offshoot roads. From Lothuli, I'm forgetting the name. I had it and then it went. So I'm at night. So I'm sleeping at night and then I get a call. This guy is so it's it's a, it's a number I don't know. So 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 I see a number, take the call, then he says, "Hey, Sasa, pass it, coffee, go on, coffee." And then I, oh, okay. Eh, nataka ukuje, ukuje peke yako, kumewapi. I think the the road is called Shikarume, if I'm not wrong. Some, some some come funny place of so I'm thinking it's 2 a.m. Am I going to shake a room? So I said, okay, babe, please. <laughs> so I come out because I don't have to hear what is going on. And I you know go out and I'm listening. He says, you know, I strayed. And so the guy had strayed and entered some prostitute brothel. Of course, being very naive to the ways of the world, eh? I mean, no Christians don't know. You know the ways of the world very well, so I think they kind of had the disagreement with the charges, the payments, you know, for the service. So it so happened when he didn't have the money, they took his clothes, including his shoes. So now he had gone downstairs, this uh, very dingy place, and all, you know borrowed the um, what do you call it, um, the watch's phone. And for some reason, people always remember my number. I don't know why. So somehow. He remembered my number and called me. 
So now he's asking me to go over at 2 a.m. to and, and I go with clothes and I carry 500 shillings to pay some <laughs> all the things men of God do. I tell you. And you know, you live with that till your dying day. And you, the man is still okay. He's still, and he's doing pretty well. He's gotten married and moving on pretty well. You know, so the point I'm trying to say, and of, of course I left, I mean, and I've done quite a few, you know, like those. The, the, the issue I'm trying to say is that if you did bath people, if you haven't suffered when they have suffered, if all you've done is just preach to them, then maybe... You cannot talk the way Paul is talking in the same, you know, that zeal and zeal. Some of the pastors have also allowed selfish interests above the burden of care or to care, you know. So they, they, they don't feel the need to protect. Okay. Let me read for you Acts 20, 28 to 30. And maybe I'll start to finish this. I've done one hour exactly. This is what Paul says. Acts 20, 28 to 30. He says, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. He's telling, you know, the, the leaders. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, Men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. Be on your guard. Remember that for three years I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. That is ministry. Just read that in your free time. That is ministry. That is ministry. I like that last part. Remember three years I never stopped warning you. Each of you warning each of you night and day with tears there are things you can't just stand and watch and I'm telling you there is no measure you cannot take let me let me say something and finish if you indignify me or disrespect me there the, the are probabilities I may take it in I mean I mean People have rights to speak and sometimes you can't control what people say. So I've put it within, I have a big uh, provision for that. So I have a very big provision for, you know, such misbehavior. But, and I don't say this, please understand me, I don't say this in any way that you may look at me in a different way. If you disrespect people that I'm leading, then you will See fire. For me, I think you know it's 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 like you have children. You you are okay if you went hungry, but there's no way you'll allow them to go hungry. You're okay if somebody abused you, but you have a problem if somebody abused your child, and you're right there. You you, you follow. Uh, I remember one time I think Stephanie got unwell, and she was still in school. Remember that as well. She was still in school. And so she managed to, you know, wisely get a phone, something like that, and say, you know, dad, I'm not feeling well, and she was sounding quite uh, panicky, you know, I have made, a, I should not tell you this, even if you guys come, you need to come, like if uh, you haven't talked to me, because, you know, we're not supposed to do this, we're supposed to go to the clinic, I have a, you know, and she, 
As Stephanie was speaking, I was blessing. By the time she, we are, switch, we, are, we are switching off, I was removing the car from the carport. And we were driving like mad, me and my wife. So I remember we arrived at the school, huh? Kijabe Girls. And of course, what she says, oh, do you have an appointment? Do you, nah, nah, nah. oh, I, I told that guy, please open the gate. I need to see my daughter. And I'm being nice. I said, if you close this gate, I will drive through this gate. And I meant every, and, and that, that lady realized the truth. I said, my child is inside there. She's called me. She's unwell. I said, I don't care if she doesn't go come back to this school. But that's not my issue. That, that's, not, that's not my issue. That's, no, that's not an issue. She's inside there and she's unwell. That's all. That's all I want to know. You know, when the person realized, you know, I'm going back to the car and I'm going to get through the gate, they opened the gate. So, so of course, I went to meet the deputy and I think she just realized, you know, I said, look, she called. I know it's a mistake. I know that's not the rules. And I want to say this, look, if she's going to be in a problem, I'm willing to take this child with me back home. I have no issue. I'll get a school. I mean, it's not a big deal. These are bright kids. They will study anywhere. They will excel anywhere. It's no big deal. So don't take it up on her. It's me. I said, this child is insured. And I know you have limitations of uh, facilities here. Allow us to take this child to the hospital. Or Aga Khan, allow us to do that. Because we cannot sleep with that conversation we had on the phone. I mean, and, and the, the, the woman just understood and says, Paula, you have to know that, you know, this way. It's okay. So I said, no, I mean, we're not looking for resources. I mean, this child is insured from the mother's workplace. So we just have to take this child to proper hospital. She needs to have proper scans and everything else done on her. To be. What I'm saying is, maybe if it was me in a workplace, I would say, well, I'll wait. But, you know, and the same is ministry. I have to stop. But maybe I need to read you one more scripture, if you don't mind. Um... So again, I put in my notes that the pastor is obligated not just to preach messages of hope and encouragement, but he's also tasked to restore order in his flock by exposing and rebuking savage wolves. The one we read earlier. I mean, if there is nothing that sanitizes, and now it's using sanitizers, there's nothing that sanitizes um, um, and detoxes savage wolves as the sunlight well, of rebuke. I mean, you just have to call them out and simply say, I mean, I know, I know. You have all the lingo, you have all the terminology that people want to hear, but I can see through your guy. No, these other, they cannot see. They are young, they are innocent, they are naive. They haven't seen the world. I've been in ministry for, I can read through you like a, like, like a book. And I can tell exactly what you want, you know, and you're not going to do it here. Okay. Titus 3.10, I'll finish with that one, 10 and 11. One, hear this, a divisive person once and then a second time. After that, have nothing to do with them. You may be sure that such people are warped and sinful or warped and sinful. They are self condemned well it's up to us to make the choice to be nice and tidy or sometimes once and again if the need arises rock the boat 
and save the majority. Paul, back to you. I will uh, try and finish with two more next Thursday. I think I have the burden of finance and um, yes, and um, one or two others. I think I have two others. Okay. So um, I'll, I'll finalize on the burden of leadership in the church on um, coming Thursday.